Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz. This is this is the center presents. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz. All work is a human act. All work, all work is a human act. Something that could be done by a monkey. Something that, something that could be done by a monkey, by a robot, by, by a robot. When you do it, the very quality of it completely changes. I'm going to my kids. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Um, welcome to another episode of the show. Hang on. Let me just grab my coat here. Um, yeah, welcome to another episode of the show. We're about to walk outside. It's one of those very cold Texas nights. You know, kind of, kind of Texas night that uh, makes you hope again that maybe the... Maybe the sun isn't going to kill you after all. Uh, maybe the Texas summer sun is not out to destroy us. But um, everyone's asleep, and I thought I would take you for a walk around the block. Introduce uh, the episode for today. Today's part of the show. Uh, it's going to be a conversation between me and my friend, Chris. One of my best, my, probably my longest standing friend. Um... That's interesting to think about, you know, think about who is the longest standing friend, like the longest running friend that you have, like first place longest uh, running friend that you've known. It's an interesting thing to think about. December makes you think about stuff like that, folks. Anyways, um, appreciate your friends, especially your longest standing friends. They've put up with you for so this long, you know. Anyways, um, oh, I wrote an article, I wrote a a little thing on my websites, I wrote a thing about three, three kind of self, three kind of rules for myself, three kind of pillars for what I, what I like try to do on the internet. Um, I don't know where this like drive to constantly put crap up on the internet comes from, but I like, it's fun. It's fun. And I like the process. I'm obviously conflicted about it a little bit, but, um, like the process and it's fun. And I, and you know, year after year, I don't regret, um, putting in the hard work of, of just making stuff. And I think if you're that type of person, you just got that itch, you know, He's got that itch inside of you that's like, I gotta make stuff. I gotta make, I gotta make this thing, this idea. I gotta make it, I gotta birth this idea, baby. Bring it to term. Um, anyways, I have these kind of three things that help me not be such a perfectionist and, and not be paralyzed. Also, like, kind of focus, focus the body of work that I'm you know, doing. So, three things. So, the, fir- the first one is, um, teach what you know. So that, that idea is just like when in doubt, when you can't think of anything, just think of, uh, something you, something, you know, pretty well, or just something you've learned or something that's added value to your life and then just teach it. And then don't, you know, don't worry about like, if you just learn the 
the beginnings of, I don't know, painting or something with a paintbrush. Don't worry about, you know, the Vincent Van Goghs out there, the Pollocks who already know all this stuff. Uh, but just teach what you know from your perspective. And when, I've just found that when I look back on some of those writings or those videos or things that I've made where I taught something that I know, um, that perspective of that, like that moment in time, you know, that, that your first year of podcasting or your first year of writing or your first year of watercoloring, when you, when you teach what you know from that perspective, that's really unique, right? Like you can't go after you've been painting for 20 years, you can't go back to that first year and, and really understand or like really remember what it was like to put in that first year of teaching or that first year of doing your thing, your craft. So I think it's really important. That's, that's, um, that, that's helped me with a lot of writer's block and stuff like, Hey, let me just help someone from, who's just a little bit, uh, who's like coming up on where I was on this thing. Let me think about a way to teach that. So teach what you know, anything is, um, document the journey. So, uh, this comes from the famous Gary Vaynerchuk, the document, the journey, the idea of, um, documenting, you know, if you're not, if you're not teaching something, you don't always have to be teaching, just document the process of you, like document the process of you trying to figure out every, you know, what, what it is you're trying to do. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to do. I, I uh, you know, and, um, I'm inspired by that idea of like, let's just, jo- let's just document this process. Let's at the very least, um, it will be enjoyable 40 years from now to look back and uh, remember these conversations, remember this process, remember um, the things that we learned. And, you know, it's like, a, this is our little digital scrapbook. And you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised how many people um, benefit from that. Like, get value out of that thing that you, you document, you know, document your journey. And the last one is stay relevant forever. And that's just a phrase to me that means to help people and to, to make sure that you're, you're listening to the feedback people are giving you. You're not, um, it doesn't mean that you're consumed by what people say, but you're also, uh, you're also open to having to communicate. You know, I really, I don't know. I've come to believe that art can't be made in a vacuum. It's always made, it's always made for someone. And so staying relevant forever means keeping in mind yeah, that the the viewer, I guess, the audience, the people, you, you guys. Speaking of which, I want to thank Dominic, early adopter of the of the show, the podcast fan. He sent me an email that I haven't. I, don't, I think, oh no, 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 he put a comment on something I wrote that I haven't had a chance to respond to yet. But I just want to thank Dominic and all the all of you guys, you early adopters. Anyways, so this is a uh, conversation that my friend Chris and I. You know, Chris and I, for those you youngsters out there, you know, we wanted to start a podcast way back when before podcasts were cool. And I know people say that, but that's literally like, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of, um, I'm sure there are plenty of 20 something year old people who sit around and talk and then go, man, we should, we should record this. Someone, you know, they have again, that unfounded sense of self-importance. Like I have something unique to say that people would, (laughs) would enjoy, but we just, again, we like creating things. And so anyways, we've had lots of failed podcasts or semi-failed or I guess semi-successful, semi-regular, um, uh, depending on how you look at it. 
over the years and um it seems like once every year or so we sit down and say hey let's start podcasting again record one of these really long conversations so we, we had a conversation about um Malcolm Gladwell about pseudo intellectuals and talking about also just in general about this idea of doubt that you can notice in the last couple episodes I'm kind of thinking about and um, talking to people about doubt failure it's kind of like uncertainty is some one of the things we talk about so I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on the conversation if you make it through <laughs> oh that um, song you heard right at the beginning is Again, another project I'm working on, uh, you know, dabbling in the music a little bit. I have this idea uh, that I'm kind of incubating of doing some some stuff like this, like remixing some uh, some stuff. Anyways, hope you like that song. It wasn't even a song. Let's be honest; it's not even a song. It's just a little, just a little beat on um, this wonderful machine I got called the OP One. It's a keyboard, it's a MIDI keyboard slash computer little recording device. So, beat maker and all that, that's real fun. Anyways, um, here's the conversation Chris and I had. We talked for two hours, I think, but but, uh, it got cut off at one point. And so, this is like the last, this is the, this is the best part. This is like the last one hour of the of the conversation uh where yeah so you know guys it's december you know it's we're coming up on the new year so just you know treat yourself right and be nice to people around you and and you know have 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 two hour conversations with your longest standing friend um maybe this weekend all right that is all Okay, so, so we were at Thanksgiving dinner with my in-laws, and we were talking about Trump. We're all very anti-Trump, and um, we were talking about how he won, and how, and all that, all this random stuff about all of that. And, um, and uh, I brought up uh, a very famous person. Um, Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, well, Malcolm Gladwell had an interesting point. <laughs> my father-in-law and my two brother-in-laws just stopped me in my tracks and were like, who? And I was like, Malcolm Gladwell? And they're like, oh, that guy. And they just started railing him. Shitting yeah. all over him. Dude, he's got, he, like, that is a very, it's a very, like, anyways, keep going. Is this the popular thing? I missed the train, well, man. I so started. It, so, I started. So what start? What ended up? From what I understand, what started happening was some of the science, the like turns out science or like stories that he was finding. Yeah, you know, were interesting, but then ended up not to be. Not that he fabricated it or anything, but it's just kind of like not true. Well, that that like then with further evidence, if you dig a little deeper, ten years later, it's like well, actually, you know, like and so there's there's um, it's kind of like the whole like Scott Hahn or like Peter Kraft, where people are like, well, you're just writing, you're writing in a popular style using 
semi-scientific, like you're just picking and choosing from these stories from quote unquote science and crafting a narrative and then just saying like, doesn't this support the narrative? Which isn't entirely like, I I don't know, but he's, he's gotten a lot of flack for like stuff like that recently. So they were okay. Recently. Good. Because like they were crapping all over him as like a pseudo intellectual, right? There's this new, yeah, this I is could the see new, that. The new thing, the, the, the he's your prototypical pseudo-intellectual. It's sort of like the anti-TED Talk, because that's the other thing is like people have been sort of po- – uh, Yeah, the pooping on TED Talks, yeah. Pooping on TED Talks, which I, which I, I totally get. I mean I got bored of TED Talks. Yeah. I didn't get – I wasn't all of a sudden more enlightened than a TED Talk. I just got really tired of hearing people say, these are ideas that I have. Aren't they interesting? Yeah. I just got bored with it. and. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell, like, I, the funny thing, this is where I got caught, and this is where I was like, man, okay, I'm never going to do this again, is I've not read one book <laughs> yeah, that's, by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. I've read nothing of Malcolm Gladwell. You've heard other I've, people talk about what Malcolm Gladwell's... Absolutely. I've heard other people that I respect talk about Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, and I've listened to some of the things that he said, and they're interesting ideas. Yeah. But I think what... So two things that really I took away from it were one, like, okay, no more. I'm not just going to throw out a name. I'm not going to quote anybody. I'm just going to talk about ideas. And if they're bad, they're bad. But at least when I, if you put someone's name on it, all of a sudden people think that you're trying to mean something that you're not. Yeah, true. I mean, that, that sometimes is an interesting test to remove the names and just say, wait, but didn't, didn't in like 1920, they did this study with, windows and you know what i mean and like yeah see if they're yeah. like oh well that's an interesting point and then you're like malcolm gladwell exactly <laughs> or or dude or it's like uh, or, or it's like tim ferris <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah someone's like ah oh, shit i don't want to believe tim ferris <laughs> you know yeah which like, i totally which i totally get because yeah, i, I yeah, you it do drives that. me you insane do yeah i the, don't like him yeah i don't bring up gary vanderchuk as much anymore <laughs> yes please don't please don't <laughs> gary vanderchuk but yeah like i i was so like thrown back i was so tossed around i was so confused i actually started like reading into all of this as much as possible reading into malcolm gladwell's background and trying to understand all of these different things and then my my father-in-law and my brother-in-law they had their own reasons for not liking malcolm gladwell yeah. but one of the main things was when they were reading some of his books outliers and tipping point they were just like there is real no hard science to back up a lot of what he's talking mm-hmm. about um or their concern was that he was stealing a lot of the science. And, and had, had I had the opportunity to continue to talk about it, but they were too upset that I had used the name <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell at the dinner table. Um, That's hilarious. I would have said it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter. He's a purveyor of ideas. Whether his ideas are right or wrong, he's more just pushing ideas. Yes, he's becoming very successful, but these scientists—they're certainly not writing it. No, in some no, and that's form. that's part of the problem. They're not doing yeah. the research to go through and like try and get their get this out there. Yeah. And honestly, at that point, Malcolm Gladwell's doing a service by doing that, even if maybe he is stealing it at some point, or if he's doing some. Well, some, I mean, uh, I don't know. I would argue pretty strongly that taking. 400 different scientific discoveries or stories and then crafting a narrative around a theme is not steal. I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily stealing. If anything, like you said, like, 
Yeah, like it's giving this exposure. It's right. I mean, that's like saying Radiolab is stealing scientific ideas by exactly. explaining it. Exactly. By, you know what I mean? Yes. Exactly. Now, they, they have the scientists on a lot of the time that have made that discovery. I don't know about Malcolm Gladwell and his books or well, he anything quote, like he that. He quotes everything. It's not like he's like, I found out that, you know, like, yeah. That, yeah, so, and I haven't read any of it, so, it's, but it's I guess It's a whole there's, genre. There's, a, there's another Chip, Chip Heath, Chip and Heath Clark, like, um, uh, what's it called? Um... Oh my gosh, sticking point or no? That's the tipping point. No, no, no. The um, sticky, sticky ideas or something. Ideas, ideas. Oh, that made, stick? made to stick. Made to stick. Do you remember this? So they have they have no. a whole genre that's a little similar, um, because these books are kind of. Like when you read through, if you read through Made to Stick, and then their other book is what are their other books? Made to Stick, and then Switch, How to Change When Things When Change Is Hard. Uh, Made to Stick. There's a few other ones. Um, they huh. kind of, I think that they they kind of became popular when this like. Um, Merlin Mann called it like turns out culture where it's like, Oh, turns out coffee is actually good, good for your <sighs> prostate. Right. It's like, it's like, turns out science. Right. And so when you read uh, made to stick and you know, when I was younger and reading these books, I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like look, look at all this science and look about, look at this like interesting story about how this um, editor in this really small town got like 99% penetration market penetration for his city yeah. by just literally just, printing as many names as possible in the newspaper and like appealing to people's vanity and all this stuff. And then like, it's like interesting turns out store, you know, kind of this turns, you know, sure. sure, fun sure. Stories. But when you read through it, I started getting to the point where I was like, I, I, I'm like science is becoming potato chips where I'm like, to, you know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not retaining or using any of it. It's like, Turns out, right. like, uh, we can only keep five numbers in our head at a time. Turns, you know, and it just keeps going. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all, uh, it doesn't feel general enough. Yeah, and it's just washing it's just all over these one you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and it's written in a very yeah. popular style. Like, it's very, uh, you know, t- you know, um, you know, d- Dan, d- Dan McGee had a problem how to get how to get yeah. market penetration and then it's like three pages of like just this sto- this like hyped up story about this guy who got market penetration yeah we did it so i mean and i think there's it's hard because there is something to that i think there is a place for that but 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 when you start feeling like the author is just putting as many turns out kind of clickbaity things just just packing the book full of it um yeah i don't know i don't know i think that's like it it was a, just a weird conundrum that I ran into where I that's was rough, like, man. Oh, that's no, now I have to like, yeah. One, I lost respect. I mean, hardcore, absolutely. I mean, my father in law even said like, and he's being too harsh, but I was actually more concerned about my brother in law because I have a lot of respect for both yeah. of my brother in laws. They're both yeah. very smart. One just got yeah, into yeah. med school, and the other one's just like doing his own thing. He's freaking yeah. genius, and. uh and yeah, they just all sort of were like, man, this kid like is such an idiot, like doesn't think about things hard enough or I don't even know what it was, but 
Yeah, I, I was. Uh, there's some more things too that were kind of dumb that happened later that just were like shots well, so to my pride that I was like, man, like they, they, I one I feel so assumed. <laughs> they um, assumed your, but at, your into, intellectual life. Which, but I mean, they have every right to criticize me just throwing out a quote from somebody without looking into it at all, which I think is also very popular in today's culture is like, you hear some fact and it's just like exactly like you, you said, it's that, that turns out or no, no, you're not, you said, but Merlin man said like turns out culture, but it's like, man, at some point, who's the intellectual. Yeah, And so that, well, and right? that's what's difficult too. And so, you know on topic is that uh bringing up Malcolm Gladwell can be a sign of someone who is susceptible to this like turns out very shallow popular style of writing but it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you are right like that you are yeah. that. so it's like now they they yeah. accurately picked up that you hadn't read it <laughs> but right. at the same time totally. um Again, this could this could be related to the whole echo chamber idea of like, oh, it's you know, I I already know who that person is and represents, so therefore, uh, and you're like, no, I was about to say that, uh, you know, he said global warming is an actual thing, and you guys agree with that, right? And <laughs> you know, it's like, or you, whatever it could have been yeah. that they actually agree with, uh, but they just outright discredited it because it's Malcolm Gladwell, which is true, which is true. I was actually about to say like, no, it, it's just like this sort of white lash kind of a thing, which is something that we had been talking about earlier that night, which they had all sort of had their own versions of and probably read somewhere as well or discussed amongst friends. But because I dropped the name Malcolm Gladwell on top of it, I was immediately chastised. And there's been times, there's been times where there's been times, I think that's not happened as strongly, but there's been times where I brought up Tim Ferriss and then I've been like, Ooh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say his name. Oh, I've, I've, I've probably done that to you. Yeah, maybe. Definitely yeah, with maybe. Gary Vaynerchuk. When, when, when I was very young in the whole Tim Ferriss thing, I think it was much more. But no, no, there's been other, there's been other times hey, where I, I've been I like. Still, I still, I still have his cooking book. I have more, I have more uh, respect for him, but now, but I think more out of just like uh, he's kept it alive as a business person and less of like uh uh he's a lucky guy right the longer people can sustain these things the less i believe it was just yeah, luck yeah, yeah. that i that think got it them was there. probably a combination of um, luck and just him a lot yeah a lot forcing of it. force in a good like in a good way but anyways <clears throat> yeah man that's um man that's <laughs> It was, it was rough. It makes me, like, not want to go show my what? face. It's really, Aww. it's that bad. It makes me not want to go, like, show my face. It's funny, though, because... It's funny, though, because uh, there's this whole game that smart people play with each other where we out-intellectualize well, but- each other. And, and all at the same time, we're just being more sort of intellectually ignorant towards each other well, while but I we think, do that. I think, like, it's... Like you said, you can't go out there and um, read every single book and hear every single opinion, right? So your your brain has to start making these shortcuts of like uh, – and, yeah. and what, they, what they have learned is that most times when 
someone mentions Malcolm Gladwell, that is a sign to start saying, all right, I'm not going to listen to this person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like me with yoga. Yeah. Dude, full circle. It's like me with if, – if I start hearing a Catholic presenting – the faith, but then out of nowhere starts talking about how yoga is the devil. I immediately am like, okay, I don't, I don't know that I can trust that this person is a intellectually honest yeah. person. Like that, like I'm not yeah. sure that they, yeah, I'm not sure that they're as self-examined as I thought they were. Uh, and so I think our brains have to figure, dude. It's it's the whole stereotyping thing, right? Like our brains have to, um, our brains have to start making sh- our ba- our brains want to use the least amount of effort to accomplish. Uh, what it is trying to do, which is problem solve. And so it's it's going to try to figure out yeah. the shortcut. It's literally wired that way from a calorie, cal- calorie perspective to use less energy, as, as least amount of energy as possible. So it's just going to figure out, like, what's the shortest way to process this problem of, like, this person's presenting new information. So, I'm not sure what to make of it. Oh, they mentioned Malcolm Gladwell. I'm rejecting all of this. So so to to keep keep the meta going this this was discussed i think somewhat in the last pod your previous yeah, podcast, a little bit right with i'm forgetting Hunter his name okay so i'm listening to this podcast this has happened to me with this whole like intellectualism like ah oh, crap now i'm no longer an intellectual because it turns out michael <laughs> gladwell is no longer intellectual yeah. so i'm an idiot now and i just wasn't in the know on that yet and also, I never read anybody's stuff. I just like <laughs> quoting people. So maybe that's just a really bad habit that I have. Yeah. And that's very true. But I'm like listening to you talk with him. And I'm thinking, man, all of this could happen to them. Yeah. Like yeah. listening to it, you know, like because there's so many things that were being said that were that were a lot of these turns out things come from somebody reading these scientific papers that were not published. Like the reason why I love Radiolab is because Radiolab turns out all of these things. That's what they do. You know, they find new interesting scientific discoveries and they just love to be like, this was the assumption 20 years ago and now is no longer the assumption. And it was interesting to me listening to, to you talk with Hunter, Hunter I already forget Hunter. Hunter Mots, it was, it was like, uh, I was saying to myself, like, oh no, like, am I just listening to the next? Am I just listening to more so, Malcolm Gladwell? So like, I think that I this? think the difference, and this is like, I think that I think there is a difference because I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I, I feel there's a difference, and now I'm going to rationalize. <laughs> why i think there's a difference that's literally what my brain's doing right now (laughs) i i i want there to be a difference the the difference has been i've heard i've heard them defend and um spar with these ideas over the course of like a lot of episodes and so there isn't the same type of like yeah we're there isn't the same amount of um it's not just like a guy wrote a book and he's taking yeah, this yeah. fact. It's yeah, actually it's like, discussed it's ideas. Like, okay, well, let's open. take this worldview now that we're building based on brain science, and now let's test it against um, uh, anarchism 
or like communism or like let's test yeah. it against these things. Let's you know, and they're breaking that down. And I think in some ways there's more skin in the game, which with Malcolm Gladwell sometimes it feels like okay, you just found some interesting. I mean, he's a journalist, right? Like you just found some interesting stories to fit into yeah. this chapter, and then you're forgetting about it, right? Whereas um, with with um, some of the stuff that they talk about on you know mixed mental arts or whatever is is uh is rehashing certain ideas and and trying to see like is this is this how the brain works it tur- it seems like most of the science is pretty conclusive that this is actually how the brain works and there are multiple people coming up with this mm-hmm. consensus the problem is not a lot of other people are using this information in other areas like in economics or like in education or like in, right. And so, um, so, well, I would love to actually listen to the, the economics. I should listen to the, whatever podcast where they actually talk about that, because I think that's what Freakonomics is like all about. Honestly, Freakonomics is probably a piece of all of this because Freakonomics was just all about bits and pieces of statistics that they're like, well, turns out, like Freakonomics is perfect for Freakono- that. Freakonomics taught me the whole correlation concept. does not equal causality. Like I remember, I remember that from it was like yes, it was like uh, the study in New York where it was like when ice cream sales are down, uh, yeah, murder, yeah, murder rates or whatever, and it's like study. that does not mean that they cause this in cause the, that. Yeah, exactly. It's just that it will most likely summer months, but it's really difficult to test those things. Um, but uh yeah, you know we're getting the statistics, yeah. my old territory. I don't get to play with statistics nearly as much. But um so it it's this I was I was thinking about it because uh a lot of the discussion was on uh that you were talking with Hunter about was a, about papers and stuff that that these guys hadn't published. And that's exactly what Malcolm Gladwell somewhat does, Radiolab somewhat does, was reading all these papers and then sort of publishing on them. And granted, yeah, like in their in their case, they're sort of going through a lot and more discussing it. But um but I thought to myself how much how similar it ends up being. And then what if one of these papers that they're using that might be a uh uh a pillar in their in this worldview, you know, is not peer reviewed, and that's that. This is where uh, I just wanted to start critiquing the heck out of academia, and how much I want to know: was it this confusing thirty years ago, or is it is it now? Is it that academia is is just the whole concept of peer review, and and actually even now like there's this uh statistics done about research papers this i learned from i think radio lab so it's probably not where there's this there's this bias yeah there's this bias towards uh research papers that the only ones that are getting published are the ones that actually show results when in actuality like most of Mm. papers show no results yeah yeah, those aren't ever getting published and in a lot of cases, you'll get papers that are on the same thing, and the one that gets results. published is yeah. the one that shows statistically significant results. And then there's like 20 others that have shown no results, but they're obviously not being yeah. published because there's nothing interesting there. They did a hypothesis. Their null hypothesis was correct, and that's it. Game over. Yeah, Done. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, a weird, I, it's a really weird system that se- it seems like the incentives in the system – for for this whole peer review does doesn't necessarily doesn't always direct the um 
everyone's motives towards truth as much as they yeah. try to say that that's what they're doing. Um, yeah, like it, I don't, yeah, I don't think it always, there was something else that you were saying that reminded me of, um, I mean, I've lost my train of thought. Crash. I lost my train of thought, but I mean, yeah. So, um, I'll, you know, and well, I, the difference between Hunter Motts or the difference between some of these people, some of these authors, Jonathan Haidt and, um, Daniel Kahneman and Nesbitt, I forget his first name. And, um, where are the other ones? Sean Nesbitt, I think he's a football player. No, it isn't. Player. And um, <clears throat> Jonathan Hyde. Oh, and um, Joseph Heinrich. And uh, is that in general what um, what they're talking about on mixed mental arts is how do we think? Like, wh- like how do we, or at least the parts that resonate with me the most is you know how is it that the brain thinks and makes decisions, and whether or not we the old model. Um, and there's this book, Descartes' Error, where they talk about how, um, you know, thinking and feeling are not separate, that thinking and feeling always go together. And there have been multiple mm. other scientists who have found pretty similar, like, uh, Daniel Kahneman did like 20 years of research in this area and compiled all of this into this one big book, Thinking Fast and Slow, about the relationship between emotions and feelings. And he spent – this was like his life's work was on this. And, yeah. And so then there are these other authors who have kind of taken some of these findings and test them and seen if they're true. And then you have also – like some of the stuff was on Radiolab, like these medical situations. Like the the person who had the um, accidental lobotomy or whatever yeah. where they're, uh, they weren't able to have any emotions – and instead of it making them more rational, it they weren't able to make any decisions because they mm. didn't have – they would just stand there and just keep rationalizing forever. There was no – there was no uh, – it turns out that your <laughs> – turns out that your emotions help you come to the final – like the sum, the total. Like you huh. go through all these – like uh, like I remember this in Radiolab where they were talking about this guy and he, and he would say that he would just stand there in the cereal aisle and just go like – like just think for he could think for like an hour about trying to rationalize which one he should buy. Yeah. Like, well, I should have this one. Well, what if my mom comes over? Well, then she'd want this, but what if like this, well, this one has this type of, um, this one has walnuts in it and maybe, I may, you know, maybe I'm allergic to walnut. Well, maybe this one, this one's sugary and this sugar would be good in the mornings, but you know, <laughs> like, and he just would keep going. And it turns out that our intuition, the like part of us that has the gut feeling is what just takes all of those inputs and kind of averages our thoughts into a like, this is your gut feeling. This is the total. This is what we're doing with mm. all of these thoughts. Like at the end of the day, here's what we're going to do, you know? Hmm. Um, and in fact, here's my gut. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of times our intuitions will intuit first and then we'll rationalize our decision. So like we will, um, this is why like, and I, you know, I was talking to Hunter, telling Hunter that they're like, what resonated with me so much was uh, I had a feeling <laughs> that in college when people would say, uh, don't say I feel, say I think. And they would get so mad yeah. about that. I was like, wait, no, there's something – there is something I'm experiencing that doesn't – like fit. Yeah, that doesn't fit with the idea that, that – like it does – it feels right to say I feel because I am feeling something often yeah. before I am thinking it. You know, like yeah. I'm feeling like this My isn't gut. right. Yeah, like – I don't know. I feel like there's something wrong about that. And now I need to figure out 
rationally what that is, you know? Yeah. And so it turns, you know, it turns out that, that is how our brains operate. Like our brain, our brains actually do that more than we like to admit. And we think like, oh, I'm just being perfectly rational. It's like, well, no, you, right. your, your brain is just immediately going with the fast thinking, this emotional intuition. Like I have this intuition of sacredness. So in, uh, in Jonathan Haidt's book on, um, it's called, uh, Oh, the righteous being or something, righteous, whatever. Uh, it's like why good people are divided on politics and religion. And he talks about these examples, like, <clears throat> like if a brother and sister are alone in the woods and use contraception and have sex and it's mutually consensual, is that okay? <laughs> and it's like, and why? And it's like, I, I don't know. It's just, it just feels wrong. <laughs> like, it, like it just yeah. feels really wrong. Uh, I, you know, before you even try to rationalize it, you already intuitively go, Feel. that's, that's wrong. That's just wrong. The que- the, then, then it becomes that question though of, uh, nature versus nurture. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a whole book on this because there used to be yeah. this idea that we are blank slates and our environment shapes our right. response to that. But it's actually, it's actually, it's actually both. And like some of yeah. it is, some of it is na- nature and some of it Born. is nurture. There, there is both. Yeah. There are like, there are things that we inherit um, and that can be passed down. Like they found that there are these, um, or I think cats or no, no mice. Mice are scared of cats naturally, even if they've never seen one. Like they learn huh. that behavior evolutionary, evolutionarily, evolutionary evolutionarily yeah they, they can learn that good. behavior so if you take mice like multiple generations that have never seen cats turns out <laughs> if you show cat or if you show yeah if you show these mice this See, image of a cat whenever, and the mice like freaks out when, whenever we talk about this stuff my mind immediately goes to i want to see how that study was mm-hmm. run and i've actually used to do this in the past is where i actually go and look at these studies and then try and understand the statistics because that's the other scary thing about a lot of this is a lot of these conclusions that are made, one, either the person who ends up publishing it is reading more into the statistics that they discovered, or two, the way they just did the study to prove the experiment is totally insane. Yeah, so me, me and my wife, uh, this happens all the time where I'll bring up some like, well, no, I did some research and it, you know, turns out that, that like this food or whatever is actually fine for X, Y, Z. And then she'll go look at the yeah. actual journal article and they'd be like, well, but their, their, uh, trial size wasn't big enough or their, their, um, oh you know, or whatever, gosh. like their, their confidence interval wasn't, you know, it's like, and actually this is only one research paper that was done and it was done by a company that's run by you know, the owners of Coca-Cola and, you know, funded yeah, by, course. you know, and so, so it, yeah, it does get really crazy, but, but I do think it would be one, it would be different to take just one, like, this is what happens with cats or this is what ha- happens with mice and then just take it for yeah. granted. It's a different thing when you're trying to build an argument for something and you're saying, it, it seems like these people are coming to this conclusion. It seems to be, there seems to be this consensus in this direction. And I know that's what any, intellectually honest person would say about peer-reviewed academia they would say well yeah that's what we do we like we yeah. we're reading all of it and we're trying to come to this conclusion um we're doing our yeah, best we're doing our best and that's all we can hope for <laughs> that's all we can hope for. it's so man truth 
What's what are some so, good quotes? I know, on and that is what I want. That is what I um what I do. What I I didn't get to ask, but I do want to eventually um ask a lot of these people, and it's related to doubt or the different people that I want to talk to and stuff for this for the show. But is to um to ask people. I did ask Hunter about doubt, but like to ask people. What do they know for certain? Like, for instance, this Jonathan Haidt, right? He was talking about how we have all these moral intuitions that are built built into mm-hmm. us, either learned or, like, whatever, or or they're um they're just naturally part of us. And lots of different cultures have lots of different types of moral intuitions, and then we also are born with uh, an openness to certain types of, like to uh like we like we don't like seeing pain in other people. Right, like it's just something that's natural. Yeah. It's a moral intuition that's part of us. Um, and then there are these moral intuitions that are different in the East versus the West. Like in the West, we're much more um, atomistic or like singular. Like we focus on individual situations and circumstances, whereas like in the in the yeah. East, it's much more holistic. Like the whole body, the whole community. What does this do for the nation? Sure. Um, but anyways, I. Uh, you know, I was really like, I was reading his book and I was getting into it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. But then, but then it seemed like in the first couple chapters, the really big question, at least for me was like, but aren't there some moral intuitions that are true? Like, or it, like, hmm. like where does objective truth fit into, into this, you know, like, like, yeah, I get that we all have moral intuitions and we have to figure out, you know, how to navigate all of those. But is it true that like, like, do you just look at um, don't harm people as like just a, something we made up or is Learn. it true? Yeah. Is it is it nature? Is it nurture? Is don't harm other people a nature thing? Or is yeah, it and it feels thing? like what he was saying was. Not harming other people is a is a contract that we should enter into as a human race to solve for the problem of civilization, right? It's like it's like wait, wait, but, but yeah. can't like and it always I feel like it always comes back to philosophers where it's like, well, wait a minute, can't we though say that that it is objectively true to not harm other people? You know what I mean? Like, isn't is it? What is the moral implication of our acts? Is it just what we're reading into our acts or is there some type of objective truth to your moral objective sure. moral truth? I think that was that was more of the tweet was like is there such a thing as objective moral truth? And he was like basically was like um kind of came back with like your question doesn't make sense almost. Like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, like being uh, in a it's like being in a uh, marriage. It's like you learn really quickly that what objectively happened doesn't really matter. <laughs> what matters is how both what hap- what matters is how this person felt. You know, like my dad would get into this all the time. He's like, I didn't say that I that you suck at dancing. I just said you could have done better at this, right? And it's like, well, it doesn't matter that you didn't yeah. say it. What matters is how I feel. <laughs> It, 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 so though, actually, this is, this is an important, this is something that I think even our, even our culture is divided on is, uh, does it matter? 
What matters more? Just your feelings towards what happened? Or, or does what, what matter happened what yeah. actually happened? Yeah, like because rape. It, it's, that's a that's a that's a not a not an example that I wanna dive into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but uh but no, yeah, like uh so with all of the I mean it's sort of I'm gonna touch on it no matter what, but Don't with touch all it. of the with all the uh, me too yeah stuff yeah, yeah. so the uh, the podcast that i listened to a ton drunk ex pastors they started bringing it up and they were like getting nervous they're like man what if i misunderstand the signals that a woman is giving me and i do something and then they feel like i did something horrible to them and it was sexual harassment but i just misunderstood the signals like they were getting very nervous about that and i was getting very angry listening to this because i'm thinking to myself all the examples that are out there right now are of dudes straight up saying to a woman like, Hey, is it okay if I, you know, masturbate in front of you? Mm -hmm. Is that cool? It's messed up. Like yeah. who the heck does that? Yeah. These are weird problemed individuals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, do I think though that, that as things go on this me too thing, that, that some dudes who are somewhat innocent will get swept up in this, this whole thing. Totally. Do I think it's necessary? Probably. Do I want it to happen? Absolutely not, of course. But, but um, that's this whole, like, what matters? What actually happened? I mean, a good example is the dude um, from, like, Prairie Home Companion. Mm -hmm. I forgot his name. But he's, like, this old Minnesotan dude from NPR. And I guess something happened where the woman was, like, he was trying to console this woman and he went to go put her hand, his hand on her back. And instead his hand, as he tells it, his hand went up her shirt. It's a yeah. On her, so on her back. Happens, it's happened to the best of us, right? You accidentally go yeah. pat someone on the back and instead your hand goes up their shirt. He, he, the way he explained it was like, she had a very open shirt or something. I don't know. Either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine. He was like, I can imagine he was happening. like, he was like, I, I apologize profusely, you know, and, and I thought that she had forgiven me and still to this day, like, I, I feel terrible about it. Um, but it got brought up, right? He, his, his headshot was in, like, the top of the scandals on the news and everything like that. And who, who knows what, how it ended up being resolved or what happened. But, I mean, at this point, women are speaking out about past in incidences that may have even um, just been reconciled but were never published mm. which i also think is important and i think is a good thing that that even if it has been reconciled uh if something was really screwed up and was never like published and the person themselves i mean they don't need to be publicly shamed for it but like in order to empower women to be able to come out and say these horrible things that have been happening to them i think something needs to happen and um but the whole point of all of this is just to say uh, what's going to happen and what men are going to start reacting to is this feeling mm. of, oh, you felt like this happened, but what actually happened was, you know, I was trying to console you and I put my hand out and it went up your shirt and I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen at all, but now you feel sexually harassed. What's right? And I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can ever know if we can ever split that up. Well, I man. think that, I, I think, think that's like so, but I think that's where, I think that's where like the, the 
that's where law and the hmm. justice system has to make definitions. I think that's why we have to have definitions of things like this, right? Like to be yeah. able to say, okay, here's the definition of it, the working definition of it that we're just going to move forward with, you know? And so it's, and it's messy. It, it's, complex, yeah, it's complex, but it's how it yeah, is. And then, and then we'll just wait for this exception case to happen where then we can fig, you know, we can then say, okay, well in this situation, here's how the judge ruled on this. And so it seems like, yeah, you know, in these situations, you know, it's just how we, how we move forward. But yeah, no, I, I but, in the, but there is this like objective, you know, um, is it like, is it okay for all of us as a society to just make up, or to to choose a moral intuition, um, regardless of whether or not it is it represents reality, right? Yeah. Like, like if we like if we just all decided that um, that openness and inclusiveness is more important than um, than free speech, right? Yeah. Is there some type of objective, you know, but I really, but I think like, I think in very, I think very smartly, some of these scientists or these people are like trying to avoid that question altogether and just say, well, like, that's not practical for us to talk about. Like, let's just talk practically about how we can operate as human beings um, in yeah. a good way, right? What's solvable, what's not solvable. Yeah. Like, at some point, some of these questions, a lot of questions that we ask aren't necessarily something that we can have an objective answer to at this point. Yeah. And some, and some people think that it's a waste of time. Like the, like there's the, the argument from some agnostics where it's like, it's a waste of time to try to figure out whether or not God exists because it doesn't seem to have any bearing. Right. Hmm. But, 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 you know, someone else would say, you know, or like CS Lewis, you know, would say, or some other people would say like other Christians, the Christian worldview is like, well, no, it does matter because, because unless you can say for sure, for certain that there is some type of objective truth, then there's no, like, then it is all just subjective, right? Like then like, then what, what grounds do you have to tell someone that your moral intuition is better than anyone else's? Right. And so that's, I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the next step in, in this scientific development is like, well, how can we, how can we figure out what moral intuitions or what like software would be the best and the most useful to download into our society? So, so this is one thing that I, that was a critique of your conversation with Hunter that I thought about, which is, and it's sort of a critique of, of both sides, but the guys like, um, um, oh my gosh, freaking Hawking, uh, Sam Harris. So their worldview of science is is so different than even as far as these like psycho psychologists people who are studying brain science or or uh they would i wonder if they would even agree with their science who's sam harris because sam harris and and a lot of these guys because and I, I think it's dangerous for them to jump into the morality questions, which they do, which I think is unfair. And maybe it's pushed on them because there's there's this want for us to pit two things against each other when maybe they shouldn't be pitted against each other. And there's also an 
odd thing for people to be okay with it and want to talk about it. But um, their whole thing is that that uh, they're only empirical, which is if if their science is only empirical, it, it limits actually a lot of things. And um, so I wonder if if sometimes I don't know if they're speaking out of turn. I'm not really reading a lot of what they're saying, so I guess I, that's why I'm so hesitant to say much. And I probably sounds like I'm just talking nothing. But um, their whole thing is that their their truth is is just discoverable. And they only know what's true based off of what they've seen, mm. full stop. Mm. And are not afraid at all of anything else, but they can't say anything beyond what they've seen, mm. full stop. And that's it. There's no conjecture. There's no, there's no, that's why I think they contest with philosophy because. There, I think their perspective would be there is no philosophy. There's only what we can see here, blah, 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 um, sense using scientific methods, full stop, and that's it. And that's as far as their their worldview goes, and that's what they, they believe and push and, and, and whatever. Not to say that they don't have room for the question of what is moral, what is right, and what is wrong – but to say that some star in in how a star reacts to a black hole somehow influences that I think is like too too far. And maybe they're talking a lot about it, but I understand why you get in why they would get into these arguments with theologians mm-hmm. because to them there is no God purely because there has been no scientific evidence of God. Like that is their view alone. That's it. There's nothing yeah, yeah, more yeah. to it's it. A, yeah. It's that. just like, it's just you know like, well, I mean? we can't, we can't, yeah, we can't prove it. So why, why even talk about it? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think sometimes, and again, like I keep caveating that maybe they're talking out of turn and saying too much, but sometimes I feel like these, these, this conversation about them gets brought up so much in all these moral and social cultural contexts. And boy, honestly, if I were them, if I were scientists, I'd be like, stop, please stop bringing me into these conversations. Like I will tell you if a star is going to explode. Well, the the thing is, is that some of these scientists do make like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and some of these other people make really radical claims Oh yeah, true. The God, yeah, the God, God delusion, delusion, some of these other and... things, where it's like, um, and you know what? What I think is yeah. is more interesting about some of these other scientists are like, they're they're seeing the value, even from a scientific standpoint, of something like religion. So like, they're seeing that there is a value of something like religion, and to just completely start destroy, like to just remove. Uh, to the idea that you could just remove religion from, um, from people and they would, Oh, so, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said at one point that he like wished we could have a nation ruled purely by reason. And like Hunter's critique of that was like, none of us are ruled purely, purely by reason. Like, like we, none of us are. And it's a natural human 
uh, capacity or tendency to make some type of religion, even to make science into a religion, right? Like, like there, it's yeah. We want, we want whatever that gives us. We want it, right? From like the, it's like you were saying before. We want yeah. certainty, well, and not just not just certainty, Which, but like a um, we want software for how to walk through the world. And, exactly. You know, from a Christian yeah. perspective. And what I believe is that it's because we have a religious sense or a religious capacity in us because we're made for it. What some of these more open scientists who are like open to the idea that religion is something that uh, is necessary to being human is like they'll say like, yeah, this this is something that evolution like evolution has created in us uh, or not just like. This is something that has a value to our human experience and, in fact, actually right. is very much a part of how we make decisions. Uh, and, you know, you can start calling out, like, hey, the same problem of religious fundamentalists who have no openness to doubt or uncertainty. They're just like, this is how it is and, and can become radicalized in the same way people with science can have the same type of fundamentalism where it's like, if I can't. Yeah. If I can't see it, then it's in test for it, then it's not true. And so you say, okay, well, how did you test and see that, that premise? And they're like, what? <laughs> like, you're like, but they're not like what there's, they'll tell you how, but it's yeah, yeah. all but physical. That's what I'm saying like, is like, that's what I'm saying is you can start the... running down the skeptics. You can start using the tool of skepticism against them by saying, okay, like, like there's this whole, there's this whole saying like, Science can tell you that there's a field, and science can tell you a lot about the field, right? But it can't tell you how to walk through the field, or if you should walk through the field, or what the field means to you, or you know what I mean? Like science can tell you all sure. about the field. Totally. But I was, I was even as we were talking, thinking like, no, like science can't even tell you that there is a field. Science can tell you that your eyes see a field, <laughs> right? Like that's uh, even yes. more so. Like correct, like, correct. It it gets yeah. it goes further than that. It goes further to the extent that it's science can also theorize. Let's get into the theoretical side of physics, which is science is starting to theorize that there are yeah. parallel yeah, universes yeah. where everything that you yeah. see, think, and feel here means absolutely nothing in a whole yeah. parallel universe. And what do we use to what do they use to prove all of that is going to be mathematics, something that is sure humanly created, but what they'll go off of is say all of these things are constantly physically proven in mm -hmm. the physical universe. Yeah. They live in the yeah, yeah. physical. That's it. And they're, they're, they are there to their credit and to their point. That is all we have in the sense of what the playground that we have been given is the physical realm that we can see in this, in a, in a empirical testable sense and for good reason i mean honestly when you when you and this is something that i've been always throwing around and i i it i don't think theologically it stands up at all but like if you could prove the existence of god it almost disproves mm -hmm. the concept yeah. of god i think in some ways yeah and it's like like, like if you could prove it through and science so, it would discredit the very and people take issue with that like sam harris takes issue with that he's like He's like, yeah, like if someone tells you there there's an invisible unicorn in your garage, 
uh, but you can't you can't scientifically see it or find it or there's no trace of it. It's invisible. It feels like just a convenient, um, a convenient non-issue, right? Like, oh, I can't test for it. I can't, right? I can't do any of this. And so they take issue with that. But <clears throat> there is like when a scientist starts saying we can only understand the things that we can test physically. That, you can call that into question as as an act of faith, as an act of faith, as a premise that uses something other than physical evidence to arrive at that conclusion, right? Like you use you use reason to 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 rationally deduce that we can trust things in nature, like the natural world. It's it's it's. Plato's allegory of the cave, which is, I think, the thing only philosophical thing that you I know really that Plato's actually a legit guy. read. No, he's not a pseudo intellectual, well and have like, yeah, and I like yeah. the and I follow yeah. the thought process, which is the whole. I mean, and and I'm even I'm probably twisting his whole allegory of the cave, anyways. But the people who see the shadows on the wall, all they know that exists is the shadows on the wall. But in actuality, there's a lot more than that. Now, what a scientist will say is there's no implication to my thought process. I think where people get hung up and upset is that, especially with religion, there are these really scary implications to what you think and believe and, and, and follow. And in science, there, there, uh, there is there's nothing, none of that. It just doesn't exist. There is no scary implication because there's nothing, honestly, when it comes down to it, right? In the end, we're dust. We're just part of a universe. There's no, there's nothing. There's no eternity. There's in, and, and at some point self it doesn't exist, right? I mean, it's scary. I think because we don't, I think I just blacked out. I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> I don't uh, for some, wait, we went from, Sorry, I was following you there, and then I guess I came back in when you said self doesn't even exist. Yeah, no, my point is uh, is there's – Wait, there's no eternity because there's no – sorry, what was the one before eternity? There's no um, – well, I was saying I, – I, I don't even know now. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I think there's eternity. No, but that's the point is that they, that to – Oh, there's no – there's no um, – there's no like empirically uh, – like there's no 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 what i'm saying eternity. yeah there's no there's there's no implications to anything that they're saying right tomorrow they could say that the sun is is smaller than the moon and there's there, the only implication that that's going to have is on physics right mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily change the way you live your life and i think what what people get frustrated about and I think what scientists end up calling into question and what they get frustrated about is they're the when you start changing philosophy and when you start changing faith you there's great huge implications that change the way people live their lives in science there's just there's nothing there to to really do that per se right well sometimes I mean sometimes Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there isn't. Like I think, uh, like someone like Sam Harris or someone who's more scientifically minded, there is huge implications if they say um, there's no. Like evolution has a lot of implications, 
Like, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying right. what your theory of evolution is or how it plays out can have a lot of implications on um, can have a lot of implications on how we interact with other people. How? Like, if you're so, for instance, like all of this, all of this uh, studying they're doing about moral, in, all of this research on moral intuitions. Yeah. Right? Well, like if um, if you find that some cultures just through their culture value wholeness as over and above individuality, and then there's another culture that that values individuality over and above wholeness, mm. then that does have an implication. If you, your whole life, have just thought like wholeness is the way we should think. And so when science finds out, like, no, actually, this is just a part of cultural evolution. This is part of something that you inherit from your culture. This isn't. This doesn't necessarily mean that everyone should and ought to think this. But it, you know, and it is. There is like the philosophy, the philosopher, or the philosophy side of it, which which is coming in with the ought, like what ought we do. Yeah. But there is, but there is something though. Implied by the science, or at least like there's at least the question to be asked of. So what do we do now with this science, right? I think what like, like a scientist could – I get what you're saying of like a scientist just does the research and just says, here's, here's what it is. Like, here's we what we this, found. When we look at this, this is what happens. But, but I think there's – like, and that's the thing that some – that I think some scientists or some people who are more scientifically minded or they forget that. That there is – that a lot of science implies something, right? Or like, like – like any high schooler is like, well, so what if the earth is flat, you know, or, or, or so like, what does sure. it matter? Like, what is, like, what does that mean? What does that matter? Right. And it's like, well, you know, or like, like, here's how your brain learns a new skill. It's like, well, so what? It's like, well, now we can, we can like do You're, something about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we should be clear. Like when we are talking about science, I think the problem is science is a term that gets thrown around through all these things. When I'm yeah, thinking yeah, of yeah. science, I'm thinking of like physics but yeah. a lot of times science is attributed to like studies, statistical studies done in cultural science, uh, social sciences. And it'd be interesting to hear from different scientists, someone who studies psychology, somebody who studies uh, physics, somebody who studies X, Y, Z, where they fall on the spectrum of what are the implications of your work? Yeah, and, and how do you relate to objective truth or, like, objective reality? The other thing is, and that's an interesting story that people, not everyone knows, is that, uh, oh, look, call recorder recording problem again. Error, error negative one, two, zero. You can start recording again or contact support for help. Um, <clears throat> that's what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, philosophy used to be considered a science. It was, yeah. it was a field in science. And I'm not sure if, it's, if it is anymore – uh, I know that, I know that for a long time it has not been considered a science, or it's not considered the one of the empirical sciences. But like um, astronomy didn't used to be always considered an, a, a science. Like stargazing didn't used to be considered sure. a science, and then eventually after a while it's like okay, well no, this is actually a legit science, right? Like, so um, you have to be careful. It was probably the Catholic Church that was probably saying that it wasn't yeah, it a science. Been. It might have been no, but I, I really do think because because astronomy. <laughs> originally was really linked with astrology yeah exactly similar exactly yeah you know it wasn't until like i don't know like copernicus or someone that was like well no we can start 
Yeah, I think it was Copernicus that like pointed the telescope, which was like a military tool, up at the sky, and started then saying like, "Oh wait, this this might be a planet or whatever." Um, <laughs> anyways, look at listen to these two guys talk about talk about their origins of astro- astronomy. Oh man. Yeah, I man, it's so there's so much uh I want to say convoluted discussions where I feel like there's so there's some really good uh discussion on I heard on like two people arguing. Actually, I think it was I think it was also a radio lab about or this American life and it's this woman who is like purely meets with couples who are going through horrible times, usually couples where like infidelity has happened and she's just like this counselor. She's well known. She did a Ted talk. She's a really, it's a, it's a really interesting sort of, she had a different perspective, not from a scientific standpoint, but a different perspective on how we hurt each other mm. and how marriage has evolved over time mm. And how it used to sort of was more out of necessity. You married somebody close in your culture. And then all of a sudden now we're, we're, we have a pick of sort of whoever. And it's more about your soulmate. Whereas before it was more about somebody who could provide. Really, really, really interesting uh, talk. And um, totally forgot why I brought this up. (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot. I was so bummed. Oh, man, man. I it don't probably know. was good. I can't save you. Man, it was probably good. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just started thinking about all... I just started like thinking about how much I really liked hearing her talk about it. And then I started getting so nervous and self-conscious <laughs> that she was a pseudo-intellectual. <laughs> that's, really, that's really harmed you, them saying that. It, honestly, I'm next time I... Next time we have like a dinner with all of them, I'm going to like apologize. I'm gonna no 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 no. I'm gonna throw it in their faces so hard because like it's so. I mean, like think about it. Like you're calling somebody who's done a lot of research a pseudo intellectual when what you've done is just read their books and probably read somebody else who called them out on being a pseudo intellectual. Did you actually do the research to understand whether or not he was? Probably not. Maybe you had an intuition that what he was saying was completely yeah. ridiculous yeah. and wrong, which is true for my father-in-law because he really likes hockey and Malcolm Gladwell brought up hockey at some point and it upset him. Are they very smart? Yes, extremely smart. My father-in-law's a brain surgeon. My brother-in-law could have could do whatever he wants. He's super smart. My other brother-in-law is going to med school really gifted individuals but at the same rate i've had to sit at this table with them and listen to their crazy freaking ideas sometimes and i'm just like (laughs) give me a a break man Uh, yeah no i but but it's like it's true like we make these uh we we have these like shortcuts that we do and and i think Yeah, like they're like they're right and wrong, right? Like it's it's like they're right and wrong because yeah, yeah, like they're right if you were bringing up something and you hadn't read the book and you were just you, like yeah, like and which has turned out that <laughs> you hadn't read any of it, right? But like, the, but there is there is a certain amount of um, you know, uh, you have to have this like intellectual humility of always, dude. It's a very scientific 
attitude, which I feel like sometimes some yeah. more popular scientists don't have, which is I might be wrong. Like it's a very scientific, like my theory yes, might be wrong. Totally. And, totally. and not acknowledging that this is a theory. This is a theory. Like yeah. it's why sometimes Neil deGrasse Tyson makes me so upset because he makes it sound like, well, no, this is exactly how we understand it. And this is true. You know? And it's like, wait, 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 wait. This, this is a theory. And if new science comes out 10 years from now, like this could be different. It could be different. That's how it was with lots of things. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't make it sound like it's so, you know, I mean, and maybe he's to come full circle. He's afraid that if he, uh, if he opens it up to too much doubt that people won't trust science anymore. Ooh, I like how you brought that full circle. I, I don't think he would think that way. I think what we're probably running into is just semantics. Yeah. Yeah. With theory, not theory. Because there's this whole in, – in science, there is like what is a theory versus what is not a theory. And what is not a theory, if I'm understanding it correctly, if I'm right, I could be is wrong. Is a hunch. Um, is, is consensus. Is just consensus. That's, it's scientific consensus. But, even, cons- but like, even consensus can be open to scrutiny. No, yeah, I think so. But hit, I think the point – that all the point that they would make at that point is this is true. Why is it true? Because it's consensus. Because everybody who has looked at this that is reputable says, I have found the exact same conclusion. Therefore, it's true. And it's true until, it's, until it's been, it gets disproven. And they're comfortable with that. But sometimes when we say theory and not theory, like some people say, well, the, it's the theory of evolution. Like the name like saying theory of evolution in the name matters because it's more of a theory in the, in the sense that we don't know if it's true or not, but it's not a, the theory of evolution is not a theory in the sense of, we don't know if it's true or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I mean, although, although like I would say though, that like, the thing is, is that just most people don't think this deeply about they just want to know whether or not the earth's flat they just want to exactly no i totally agree they just want to know whether or not evolution's real like they just want to know and most people don't think hard enough about well like they just want to know whether or not um they just want to know whether or not light is a is a particle is a particle or a wave right but yeah the, the complicated thing is like look so far you know the consensus used to be that it was a particle. That it was a particle. That was the consensus. Yeah. And is yeah. is it true to say that it's a particle? Yeah, but it just wasn't true enough. I think sometimes people, scientists, critique religion for the same yes. way that scientists, yes. right? Yeah. We can all they're critiqued yeah. both ways, yeah, 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 yeah. right? And this is why I get so mad. This is why I was very. I do really appreciate some of these other. I guess scientists who are trying to um, who are trying to reconcile these two worlds, religion and science, and are trying to say, "Look, guys, as scientists, we need to be a little more open about the our relationship with doubt. That like we don't know for certain that there is a level of faith that we are taking on faith that this theory up until this point is the most true, but 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 it's much more nuanced than." Um, are, do we do we know the, are electrons particles? 
Yes. Is that the consensus? Yes. Is it true? Yes. And everyone's like, yes, this is true, true, true. And then, and then 50 years later, you're like, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, not true. true. And instead of saying like – instead of a bunch of people coming out and saying, see, science is fake, it's like, oh, yeah, that's just how it works, right? It's – you know, the yes. scientists would say like, well, yeah, like new evidence is coming. It's like, well, you said you, you said you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was true, right? But I think what they would say is we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt because that's all the evidence that we yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, Like to a scientist's point, they're just trying to point out, look, stop. Stop pretending like nothing's changing. Like, I think, I think it gets into this semantical argument that is exactly like you're arguing it's faith. And they're going to say it's not faith because of the implications that the word faith has. That you're taking something on faith. Because I think when you say that, it implies that there is a, a, there is a, there is a consequence well, I just I just mean like faith in the sense of um, you're trust, trusting. Trust. You, yes, yeah, you trust. You're, you're trusting in your in the scientific method. Yeah, you're trusting in the in, a, in your you're in, trusting in the measurements that you made, and you're trusting yes, in the conclusions yes, that yes, you're drawing based yes. on that measurement. That's that's where that's what, to me I totally agree. That's where the argument breaks down. People say you have, but you are believing in this. You are having faith in this, and they'll say we're not having faith. We trust that these things, and it's like, ah, yeah. guys, at some point, like what? Yeah. What? We're, we're talking semantics. Yeah, here, and, which, and that's where. It, what are you afraid of when I say faith? Yeah, and you and know, that, that's the question well, that has to be. Had. But that's the same, and that is the same type of attitude for me at least that i i have found in my faith in god is and i feel like the healthy attitude that i respect is one that says of all the evidence i have looked at i am trusting based on the evidence mm. and how i've reasoned like the reasons that i've come across i'm trusting that this is true and i'm moving forward um with certainty with a with a very small like I have to be open to the fact that I might be wrong but I don't believe I'm wrong I don't believe I'm wrong I'm willing to pr- you're 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 you understand that it could change sure yeah that's the point yeah and I think that's the ultimate point is like this is what I know to be true today based off of this yeah all of yeah. this is it empirical evidence no not necessarily Right, it's not necessarily from the scientific perspective yeah. of like this is purely empirical, but and the, but, but that's where the language I, that's where the language breaks down is because you know you start asking Bill Nye. I watched a video where some kid asked, uh, "How can we know that the Earth isn't flat?" Right, and he's like, "Oh, this is just stupid." Like, you can tell by so many reasons you can tell, right? And it's like it's obvious it's not flat, like you know, but it's like, could that ever change? And, you know, I'm sure if he knew – if he heard this two-hour conversation, he would go, yeah, we're open to new evidence. But I think there's yes. also there's also a knee-jerk reaction where you go, yeah, but couldn't we one day find out that that's not true? And he's going to say, no, we're never going to find out that that's not true. There's just yeah, no way, I, right, where he's going to go, there's just no way. There's just no way. I think, there's no way it's yeah, flat. I think because what he's responding to is also – especially with the flat earth thing – is I think scientists are getting trapped in exactly this this same thing that even people in religion get trapped in, which is uh, 
you've said this in the past and now you say this. Well, I believe this. What are you going to yeah, do yeah, about yeah. it? Like, it's like, I have my reasons for yeah, why I believe yeah, it's, this. Like, what are you going to do yeah, about it? Have you seen it? that video where it's like, um, where it's, uh, it's like some guy, it's like some couple in the fifties, uh, eating breakfast. And then someone, um, zaps into the kitchen from the future and is like, Hey, I come from the future from the year 1970. Uh, in the future, we find out that, um, that eating fatty foods is really bad for you. And so like, stop eating the bacon. Right. And then he like goes back and then he like comes back again and is like, actually I'm from the more, the more distant future where we find out that actually it's not fat. It's just certain types of fat. Right. And then he like, he's like, so just don't eat the, and then he comes back again and is like, actually it's not like certain types. Actually all fat's fine. Like fat in general is just fine. Like it's just, a, and then comes back again and is like, actually it's sugar. Sugar is really bad. Uh, and then like comes back in and he's like, no, actually gluten, gluten is the worst. Like stop, you know, and he just keeps coming back. He's like, actually we found out just, just do whatever, just kind of so, do whatever. You know what's, you know the other thing though that I think is pretty interesting about specifically this example is I think there would be a scientific consensus on even stuff like that if it wasn't for mommy bloggers. Oh. <laughs> somebody's somebody's <laughs> somebody's got a uh, uh, an axe pe- to grind. Pe- an axe to grind. Thank you. Gosh, that was painful. Um, uh, no, I was going to say for sort of like tabloid. Yeah. 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 You know, similar. if it wasn't for Mons- Monsanto, if well, it wasn't that for too. big pharma, if it wasn't for and big business, I mean, big that I definitely would blame them too for, because they, they do their own scientific yeah, research to fund- prove they, they their fund own it. Uh, unbiased, unbiased funding. Freaking, uh, tobacco is how many studies have they done that have found that Tobacco doesn't lead to I've seen uh, lung cancer. I've seen yeah. Mad Men. <laughs> I haven't, actually. Well, on yeah. that note, man. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump into a whole other dialogue about something. This was great. I'm going to go drink a LaCroix. Yeah, this was great. I'm going to have my last. A LaCroix. Well, sir. LaCroix. We've solved a lot of the world's problems, and if only- I, I I ignored I think three of your buildings. I think that's what ends this podcast. But I think I ignored them on purpose. No, it was I wasn't trying to end it. It was just kind of like point. Like, hey, yeah, we made a point. We okay, did it. we said yeah. a thing. We only had three. Ouch. Uh, next time.